This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello, you're listening to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio with me, Deb Wolf, your host as always, and I'm coming to you from Camp Good Dog. And if you want to see our campers, we have some great videos posted on Facebook, Camp Good Dog. We show the campers who come and go here. It's a boarding kennel, so the people go on little trips or get busy with work or whatever. Maybe they need to use their house for a wedding or something, and the dog comes here and it has a total adventure in the forest and the meadows and it can swim in the pond and run around with other dogs. It's kind of like a dog's dream vacation, you know, not a fancy hotel. No, no, no. They get to get good and dirty and muddy and play with other dogs. And of course we clean them up again, but it's just a total farm experience. Like waking up every day at the dog park with all your friends there. Cause you know, sometimes your dog gets to the dog park and there's no one else there or you go for it wants to go for a walk in the forest, but it's too wet or it's too cold and you don't take it and the dog's waiting and another weekend goes by. Well, this way, your dog wakes up every day right there on five acres of fenced dog fields with his friends. So they usually come home tired, kind of like little furry carpets and happy with lots of dreams and really excited. The second time they come, they're really excited to come back. So actually, that's kind of a hint. If you're taking your dog to a dog kennel and you've taken it once or twice and you go there and your dog is not excited to go there, think about it. Like, why is that? Now, if your dog's always puts on the big drama about leaving you, okay, fair enough. Maybe the kennel's fine and it actually has a good time. In fact, ask them to film it after you've left. If you leave Rocky and 10 minutes later, he's thrilled and happy and doesn't even care and is having the time of his life, ask them to show you that video. Because sometimes I do that for people where the dog is a real drama queen. She hams it up so much. She wants them to know she's going to miss them. (gasps) Oh, no. And then as soon as they're out of the driveway, she's like attached to my leg, all happy and perky and her her acting uh, job is over. And now she can enjoy the moment. And so for dogs like that, you really do need to reassure the people. But if your dog's not like that and your dog like drags its feet or won't get out of the car, doesn't want to go to the kennel, find another kennel because chances are there there's one that your dog will want to go to. Okay, so I have so much to talk to you about. So much. I had a bunch of responses to a show that was posted recently about Halloween And I'm embarrassed to say I made a mistake in the show. So I want to correct that right off. (laughs) Yes, it's really, okay, first of all, I am not a skier. I am not a snowboarder. So I apologize now for getting the name of that mountain. But all you people out there who are snowboarders and skiers and want me to know, here we go, listeners out there, those huskies I was talking about in the show a few weeks ago, the Halloween show, those huskies that needed a home that were found loose on the ski hill mountain, they were found on Hemlock Mountain. And the place they were found is called Sasquatch Resort. And I made a mistake and called it Hatsik Mountain, but I've been corrected and told that Hatsik is a valley. There's no mountains in Hatsik. What was I talking about? Okay. So the mountain range next door to Hatsik, <laughs> called Hemlock, where it's rumored Sasquatch lives, is where these two dogs were found. So 
How noisy is a husky when it's howling? 10 miles. 10 miles, they say, you can hear a husky howl. Now, I think that could be an underestimation because it would depend also, is it a foggy day, clear day? Are there other noises? What's the weather like, the wind? I think 10 miles is underestimating the husky owl. Okay, everyone, we're going to go to break and come back on Animal Party on Pet Life Radio. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, we're back on Animal Party, Pet Life Radio. And actually, I can get huskies howling with my, with my howl. I can get greyhounds howling with my howl. They have a special device that makes a noise that uh, is used at the track when they let the bunnies, the fake bunny go and the greyhounds are supposed to chase it. They have this device and when they have greyhound rescue, greyhound club, greyhound breed events, at one point in the event, the highlight of the event usually, they will squeak this thing and all the dogs will go bananas. Some of them will start singing and howling and it is a beautiful thing to experience. But if you want to get your dog to howl, okay, now make sure you're You've taught your dog quiet first, because if you start teaching your dog to speak or to howl, and then you just have a noisy dog and he thinks that's what you like. So make sure you work on quiet. But if you want to teach your dog to sing or howl, the way to do it, I found musically, is you hit a note, a strong note, and then you hit, you go lower, just a half note lower. And if that doesn't work, go another half note lower. So just sort of let your voice move down. So hello. Like that instead of my usual hello. Okay, so that's just nice and bright and cheerful. Dogs won't answer to that. But if you sing that note and then lower it again, I'll do it one more time. Hello. They'll start singing with you. Guaranteed. Basset hounds, beagles, standard poodles, golden doodles. Let me think who else howls with me. Oh, all the labs. Every hound dog on the planet, <laughs> all the huskies, you'd be surprised. And once one dog gets going, well, they all want to join. Okay, so that's how to get your dog to howl. I didn't think I was going to do a demo of that today. All right, so moving right along, I do want to talk a little bit about war. As you know, there's a war erupting in the Middle East, and animals are often, often displaced and often in trouble and often left behind. And the suffering of the people is exasperated, especially the suffering of the children when their animals are lost or displaced or injured. And so I'm thinking about all that. And I'm thinking about historically how dogs used to help in war, first just as um, morale boosters and then food finders when 
people were in ships, they would go onto the islands and the dogs would help them hunt or rustle up food. And then uh, more recently, ammunition detection, mine detection, guarding, surveillance, um, hostage rescue. They've trained dogs to climb up ladders, enter buildings, identify the most dominant person in the room and take him out. This is incredible stuff, what dogs can do. Russia's gone really far with this and, and they sacrificed their dog soldiers in a way that is horrific. But there are all kinds of uses for dogs all over the world. And one of the most interesting uses for animals, which is a wonderful use, beautiful use, because mines, mines are just terrible. They're so indiscriminate. They just don't target the right things. When you put a mine in the ground, it hits animals and children more than anyone. It is the most diabolical creation. But who can find a mine the best, better than a human? A rat. A rat can find a mine better than a human, better than a dog, better than anything. A rat. And a rat can be trained to find a mine. Now, where this gets interesting for all us dog and cat lovers is the only problem with training rats to find mines is the rats are constantly worried about predators. They're constantly on the lookout for felines, basically, and it interrupts their work and it makes them ineffective. So how do you deal with that? Well, <laughs> very clever. You get cats that don't mouse and you expose your rat soldiers, your mine detection rat soldiers to these cats that don't hunt. And so over time, the rats decide that they're not a threat at all and they stop worrying about it. And then they go find the mines. It's so clever and I just love it. And then the mines are dug up and nobody gets hurt. And the land is rescued from these horrible devices and the animals and the wildlife, the birds, everything can live again. So that's a great, great way to deal with war. All right, we're going to come back on Animal Party Pet Life Radio after one more break. Stay tuned. Molly, here's your dinner. <laughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Hello, we're back on Animal Party Pet Life Radio, and I'm thinking about all the animals I met in the Middle East, because I am thinking about the Middle East and all the humans I met there too. I met many people of many different faiths and many different backgrounds from all over the world. Jerusalem is such a drawing ground for people, Israel is in general, but you just meet people from everywhere, every walk of life, every type of culture, from the past, from modernity, every kind of person. And they were all living peacefully, at least 
at times. And the animals of Israel, the the local dogs bred there, like Salukis and, and Canaan dogs, and but also the many, many imports and and the cats. You know, I know there's a strong bias against dogs in many countries, including many uh, Muslim countries, even though Muhammad raised Salukis. But cats, cats are cherished throughout the Muslim world. And and you can see it. It's historic, but it's also current. There's cats everywhere. And, and, and they're, uh, it's so lovely to walk through an old city and be followed and watched by cats, you know, as you go. Uh, so I am thinking of the animals of the Middle East and the many, many dogs and cats and, and horses and camels and donkeys and all of that. And while we talk about that, I did get an email from someone asking about a donkey. Okay, so this donkey has previously been friendly with everyone, people especially, but also these goats that they have that are supposed to be pygmy goats, but I've seen the picture and those are not pygmy goats. Those are full-size goats. Okay, so <laughs> it might be slightly small. There may have been a pygmy relative in there somewhere, but those are pretty big goats you got there on that farm. All right, so we got a donkey who used to like the goats, and now all of a sudden he doesn't. So I asked them a few questions in their email. I said, you know, is there less food? No, there's tons of food. Okay. Has anything changed? Well, yes, there's slight change because of the time of year. The pen is not quite the same as it used to be. So I said, is space an issue? And that's when they said, oh, space could be an issue. So if you've got an animal that used to be good and friendly and social and loving with all the other animals, like in a herd or a dog that liked all dogs or cat that got along with everybody, and then all of a sudden it doesn't, normally, first thing you look for is pain. So the first thing I asked them is, what are his hooves like? How are his feet? They said, nope, the vet's been, the farrier's been, everything's good with that. Okay. Then I said, how are its teeth? Nope, everything's fine. Is it eating and drinking normally? Yes. Okay, so we've kind of ruled out dental problems and foot problems, which are the big ones in those big animals. Elephants can die from just a small cut in the foot. So feet are really, really important to these huge, huge animals. Okay, so we got feet and we got teeth. That's ruled out. Eating and drinking normally, active, nice to people as always. So again, it doesn't sound like it's in pain. If it had dental pain, it'd probably not be eating right. You know, so, okay, if, if it had foot pain, it would probably be standing funny or not so friendly with the people. So, okay, so now we've kind of narrowed it down. And then when I said space, she said, yeah, maybe it is a space problem. So as those goats got bigger, the space got more crowded. They probably grew up a bit. They probably were told they were pygmies because they were babies. And <laughs> now they're not. And there's less space. Also, because of the climate, the pen gets smaller in winter and larger in summer, and there's more to forage in summer. So in general, the area is bigger and provides more grazing in summer. So what are your solutions? Sell some goats so there's more room, or make them a larger area. Those would be my two solutions. Try those two suggestions. Make a larger area or get rid of some goats. Free up some space so it's back to how it was, and everyone can get along in harmony again. All right, everybody. Well, I guess I should talk a little more. We had another email and it was about coyotes. And this one was kind of disturbing because it came from someone in Prince George and they were upset by something I said. I think it was on one of my YouTube videos. If you want to check out my YouTube, it's Deb Wolf Pet Expert on YouTube. And I post puppy videos. And last one I posted was of the six puppies sleeping, which I think is so funny. 
because they dream and they shiver and they shake. And I, I, sometimes they look like they're having nightmares. And you think, what could you possibly have a nightmare about? You've not had one bad experience. But I guess there's pre-birth experiences and memories. And anyway, it's so interesting to watch newborn puppies. They've just opened their eyes. They're two weeks. They were two weeks old on Thursday. I kept them a little late into the house. I should be putting them in the heated barn, but I'm really enjoying Dorita and her puppies. And I, I, I guess today's moving day. So we'll show you how they, how they settle in now that their eyes are open and they're scampering around. It's time to get them out of the, out of the house. But if you want to see more videos of them, check out Deb Wolf Pet Expert on YouTube. So someone was telling me from Prince George, which is a city north of Vancouver, way, way north. And um, it's kind of, well, it's known for a lot of rain and a lot of snow and, and wintry sort of weather. But the people there have been feeding coyotes. And this is something I'm really very much against. I know it's tempting. Gosh, I know. When you get like a bunny that comes out of the forest and you've got Cheerios and you think, oh, no, I want to feed the wildlife. And But coyotes, coyotes, you can't, you can't do it. You cannot toss them the end of your sandwich. Don't toss them your apple. I know they seem like dogs and they ham it up and they roll around and they'll even play with sticks like they're fetching. And they're just adorable if you're a dog lover. But, but if you feed them, they come back for food. And if they don't get food, they get aggressive. And Prince George has had people, grown adults, put in the hospital from coyote attacks. So I understand your point. Okay, this guy says, I don't see the problem with feeding the coyotes. I toss them my the end of my lunch or a piece of fruit, and I got a really good throw. So they're very far away, and I don't see the problem. That's one of his, I'm just quoting from his very long defense of feeding coyotes. Okay, so he has a very long arm, and he can throw very far. Do you think the coyote's stupid enough to think that that food didn't come from him? It's not. It's one of the smartest canines on the earth, one of the, the oldest canine on the earth, surviving everywhere, like uh, everywhere, surviving in cities and, and golf courses and, and forests and urban environments and wildernesses and, and exploring and thriving. And, and it knows you fed it, buddy. And it knows that food came from a human. It smells your scent on the food. It hears you. It sees you. It tracks you. And it will be back to that same spot. And when the little kid with the little throw can't quite throw it far enough, or the baby in a stroller is eating and is being pushed along, that coyote is going to grab that apple right out of that kid's hand and maybe hurt the kid. So coyotes have heartworm. They got all kinds. They got rabies sometimes, but they really do have heartworm. Like they're hugely affected by the diseases that hurt your dog, mange, stuff that's so hard to get rid of, if not impossible, stuff that will hurt our animals. So we really don't want them coming closer and closer and pooping and peeing where our animals go, where we go, where our children go. I mean, come on, man, you and Prince George, give your head a shake. Come on, neighbors, get this guy under control. He's causing you a coyote problem, mister. You are the problem. You are the problem. Stop feeding the coyotes because when your neighbor's kid gets bit, it's your fault. All right, everybody. And I'll feel bad for the coyotes. If this guy wasn't there feeding them, maybe they'd be back in the woods where they belong, eating the rats and the other things that live there, the squirrels, and not bothering anybody. Oh, man. All right. Well, thank you anyway, sir, for sending me your comments. <laughs> but as you can see, I really highly disagree with you. 
So next time I'm going to tell you all about something new in Canada that I think is kind of interesting. A doctor can write you a prescription to go out, to go outside. It's an outside prescription. And when they write you this prescription, you can actually take it places. So say they say your kid's too stressed and your kids need more outdoor time. They write you this prescription and you can get in half price at the zoo. Really? Because people aren't outside enough. Isn't that interesting? So it's called Healthy by Nature Canada. That's what it's called. And I'm going to tell you about that next time. All right, everyone. So my best wishes to all the people in the Middle East and for a good resolution. And uh, may things go well. And I'm hoping the animals are there to comfort them and there to keep them safe. And that when they get back to their homes, their animals are there. And anyone in the Middle East who wants to come on the show and talk about animal rescue, the displaced animals, anything to do with that, I'm open to that. I would love to have you on the show and we can make a, a request for donations and we can help you out because I know the animal rescues that were already there for the dogs and the cats of the Middle East, they're probably inundated right now and really, really hurting for supplies. So if you know someone in animal rescue in the Middle East, please have them contact the show, Deb at PetLifeRadio.com and we'll have them on. All right, everyone. From me, Deb Wolf, and Animal Party and Pet Life Radio, be good to your animals. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.